right, we want to greet everyone in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're grateful today to be here. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the 16th chapter of the book of 2 Samuel. Brother Tanks, is this plugged all the way in? This right here. The 16th chapter of 2 Samuel. This morning we're going to look at a story uh, that I believe will help us to grow in the Lord. This morning we're going to talk about a wicked heart. We're going to look at a man uh, who had a wicked heart and uh, we're going to see a lot of, some of us may not know what happened to this man, uh, but we're going to read his story today from the top to the bottom and see what happened to him because of his wicked heart. All right, is everybody there? All right, we're going to start reading at verse 1. It says, and when David was a little past. Now, let me let me set up a background here first, real quick. Um, of course, David had slept with Bathsheba and got her pregnant, and then, basically, to make a long story short, he had her husband killed uh, by the hand of his enemies. In other words, while they were in war, and so then the Lord sent judgment and and told him, you know, sent his prophet Nathan to tell him. Uh, that he knew what he had done, and basically he was going to have to pay for it. He was forgiven, uh, but he was going to lose the kingdom to his son, and uh, and uh, the the child that was going to be born to him was going to die as well through that through that adultery. And so <clears throat> David was grateful to the Lord for basically sparing his life. And so here we see David; uh, his son is already taken over, uh, taken over his kingdom, and then slept with his wives on the rooftop uh, in front of all of Israel, just like what the Lord told him would happen. And so um, while David is leaving, you know, and fleeing from his son, now we have to make, make it clear that David was not afraid of his son. But David was a man that didn't like bloodshed. Even though he was a man of war, he didn't just like, you know, he wasn't like some of his generals that were in his military that could just kill people on a whim. He cared for people. And let's think about that. Now, David was a shepherd, you know, just even naturally so and spiritually so. He, he kept the sheep and uh, he, he, he slew lions and, and bears for the sake of keeping the sheep because they were innocent animals that could not fend for themselves. And so he had the heart of a shepherd. He really, he loved people. Does everybody understand that? And so they did not, that when all of this started happening, first of all, his son did not consider his character, you know, for his son to be able to do that and to shame his daddy 
You know, and, and I say that, that this is the generation that we live in today, where they don't, they can care less about what daddy think and what, what would my daddy think if I did this, or, you know, it's, it's not that anymore. I was just reading the news, uh, I think it was yesterday. Uh, some of you know the, the attorney, uh, Rudy Giuliani. And I was just reading in the news uh, the other day, now his, his, he has a daughter that um, don't agree with his politics. Don't, you know, she's progressive, so she don't agree with the, you know, the, the GOP and the old way of doing things and basically trying to stick somewhat to the word of God, so she don't agree with that. And so she's voiced her opinion about that, that she does not agree with her daddy. Now to me, they, that in, in and of itself is a shame. You know, whatever you, whatever you believe, you know, if it's contrary to, to the way your daddy raised you, you keep it to yourself. But we live in a generation that's not afraid to shame their parents through the way that they live, you know, they have no problem with it. And so as if that wasn't enough, uh, the, the girl did an interview where she's sharing how she's, um, she loved having sex with, with married couples. I can't remember what they call them people. What they, you know, the people that love bringing in folks into their marriage and what, I think it's a unicorn, the, 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 the third person or whatever it was. But she likes being that. And she went into detail about all of these different things that, you know, now what does that, how, how would that make a father feel? You got a daughter in your 20s talking like that to, to the whole world. I said, we, we live in a generation that's not afraid to shame their fathers. You see, and to me, that's what's wrong with it. Uh, that, you know, we can do things and we're not thinking about how it's gonna make our parents look at all. Now that, that you know, that, that shows that lack of honor there. And so for David's son to do that to him, that showed how wicked he was and that lack of honor. And not only to try to take over the, his kingdom, you know, if anything, he should have been trying to fight for his daddy. Like, ain't nobody going, y'all back up now. Ain't nobody coming to get, now, I know my daddy messed up, but y'all, you know. <laughs> but we don't live in that generation that, that anymore. That, you know, this, this, the generation now that we're dealing with is a, is a wicked generation where they don't, they talk bad about their parents and don't mind shaming them at all. And, and would live contrary to the word of God to prove a point that the Bible don't work. You see, and that's, a, of course, we know the Bible works, but here's the thing. It works on both sides. It works on heaven's side and hell's side. Does everybody understand that? And so when, when the children have the ability to shame their fathers and not live according to how they were raised, then what chance do the parents have with strangers and with people that, that are not kin to them? Everybody understand that? So we're going to, so, so now we see David, he's leaving. Now here's the deception of it. The deception was to his son, daddy is scared of me. He better run. And he had forgot about all of the exploits that his daddy had done. If, if, all of the whole army of Israel was scared of one man, except for David. David was the only one in Israel that was not afraid of Goliath. The only one. 
Now you think about that, an army with hundreds of thousands of men in, them, in, them, and, and, in it, and every one of them scared of this giant. And, and David's not even in the military. He's just, he's just bringing some food to his brothers who are in the military. And he hear the cursing, and he hear the blaspheming. He said, who is this man? Why are y'all just standing here not doing nothing? Does everybody understand that? So he, as a, even as a young boy, he was tenacious and was not fearful. But unfortunately, maybe his son forgot about that. And began to, you know, there's something now. And, and so let's stop here and let's address something. This is what happens when sons grow up in the homes where mamas teach the sons to disrespect the daddies. Does everybody understand that? When mama don't honor daddy, she'll teach that son, you the daddy when he's not around. You get to do what you want to do. And, and that boy will grow up thinking he can whip his daddy. He'll grow up thinking at some point I'm going to get bigger than you and I'm going to swing on you. He don't know that his daddy can thrust him in the throat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> his daddy ain't walking around with that cane for nothing. Does everybody understand? <laughs> He ain't walking around it because he need to lean on it. <laughs> That's something I've, I've told my boys when they were growing up. Don't you ever get, I hope you ever, don't ever try it, you see. That's what my granddad used to tell my daddy. Hawk, I know you can whip me. Ain't no doubt in my mind you can whip me. He would say, but you better not try. <laughs> You better not try, see. So that's something for us to think about. We live in that, that generation where the, the, you know, boys are not taught to honor and respect their fathers. And then when they grow up, they do everything contrary to what the daddy is saying, just out of spite. And, um, of course, that's not God's will. And so here, David is fleeing the kingdom. Listen, because God had already told him it was going to happen. Not because he was scared of his son. He might have been scared of what he was going to have to do to his son if he stuck around. Does everybody understand that? But he was not afraid of combat. We know that. And, of course, we know that David was a man of war. His son was spoiled. And David knew, yeah, you ain't got nothing. You ain't never been on anybody's battlefield. You don't know any, you, you just slick, and your mama taught you how to be conniving, you know, and to be slick and get in your way. But you don't know, hey, I've, I've earned my stripes for real. How many lions have you killed when the Bible says that's the strongest animal alive? Everybody understand that? Less alone a human being. That's the, 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 uh, the, does everybody know that? That the Bible says that the lion is the strongest beast God ever made. That includes, that's from man on down. The lion is the strongest of the beasts. And there was David killing him. Does everybody see now? So you think he was afraid of his little puny son? Not at all. I'm afraid I might have to choke you out and kill you because you foolish and think that you can whip me, you see. <laughs> but his son didn't know that. And what it did when David fled, it emboldened his son. It made his son think that... Um, See, I'm making, I'm making headway. Listen, let me make this clear. Somebody that's especially living a Christian life, that, that 
believe they know more than their daddy, even, even their spiritual father, they might go a ways and they could think that the Lord is with them because the Lord ain't struck them, but the whole time they run into their own death. Does everybody understand that? So while David is fleeing, let's start reading at verse 1. It says, And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him with a couple of asses, saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of sundry, summer fruits, and bottle of wine. And the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, the asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, And where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abided at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Do y'all know who Ziba is? He was the servant of Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the one who was crippled in his feet. And when all of King Saul's son were, sons were killed, he went and looked for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was the son of um, Jonathan. And so he was the one that King David said, me and your daddy was best friends. I loved him like, I, you know, like he was my own brother. So you come. Because, see, Mephibosheth was hiding out. They, they hid him out because they were afraid that, you know, you're going to get killed, too. Because it was just, you know, just chaos and mayhem with all of the sons of Saul and all of the offsprings of Saul being killed. So they hid him. But David, when David took the throne, he said, are there any left of the household of Saul that I can show honor to? And they said, yes, he got, Jonathan got a son that they hid. He said, bring him here. He's going to eat the same food I eat, and when I sit at the table, he's going to sit at the table. I'm going to treat him like he's my own, you see. And so Mephibosheth was invited there. And so <laughs> do you see the deception there? Now, that was not Mephibosheth's thinking, but Ziba said that. He was trying to hit artists so discord towards to Mephibosheth towards King David and now he's trying to he's doing the same thing with King David trying to sow discord between King David and Mephibosheth that's why King David asked him where's your master's where's your master's son at everybody see that and he said basically he's going to take advantage of this situation he knows he's the grandson of Saul and he's thinking in his mind he's, he's going to he actually get the king back the kingdom back Everybody see that? All right, so let's go ahead and keep reading. Verse 4, Then said the king of Zeba to Zeba, Behold, thine are all that pertaineth unto Mephibosheth. And Zeba said, I humbly beseech thee that, thou, that I may find grace in thy sight, my lord, O king. And when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of who? Whose name was Shemi, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came, and he cast stones at David and at the, all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So you see, the word then got out that King David then turned into a punk. And it's just open season on him. Now, let's keep in mind, 
All of David's army is with him. All the people that were faithful to him all these years, they are with him. And one individual come out cursing him and throwing stones at him. Isn't that something? You know how, how humble David had to be to just allow that to happen? Everybody see that? The Bible says that God called David a man after his own heart. David really loved people. Does everybody understand that? And he was able to, he had the cunning ability to be able to back up and see the whole picture. The whole picture was, this is what I've done. And I've brought this upon myself. And so since God is the one that pronounced it, I'm going to take my whooping like a man, no matter how that whooping comes. Does everybody understand that? And sometimes, and, and sometimes that happens to us as well, where God will pronounce something, but we, and, and in our minds, we think we can tell God how the whipping's supposed to come. And we duck and dodge, duck and dodge, you know, the, 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 the fruit of our own disobedience. And by that, we miss God and we, we have the propensity to repeat our old behavior. Does everybody understand that now? So David understood what was going on. Let's go and keep reading. Verse 6, and he cast stones at David and, and, and at all the servants of King, of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right side, on his right hand, and on his left. And thus said Shimei, when he cursed, come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. Does everybody see that? Verse 8, the Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of what? Is that what the Lord was doing? But from his standpoint, that's what it was. You killed all my uncles? Because Saul was his uncle. You killed my uncle. You killed my cousins. You're responsible for this. You're, David ain't had nothing to do with Saul being dead. All his uncles. David had nothing. In fact, David was trying to save them all. Look, man, just look. God's will is for this. You need to just go on about your business and just let stuff happen. You see, I could have killed you. While you were asleep, I cut a piece of your garment off to show you that I could have, that your life was in my hand. So leave me alone. Let me just live. So all, that, all those years, for 16 years, Saul chased David around like he was an animal. And several times, Saul, David would tell Saul, you know, your life was in my hand while you slept? Okay, leave me alone. And then Saul would say, okay, I'll leave you alone. But of course, Saul had that spirit about him, you see. And so... It just shows you, now we're talking about a wicked heart. What made his heart wicked? How do we know that his heart was wicked? He was speaking from his own standpoint. He was hurt that his relatives were dead. He was hurt that somebody other than one of his relatives was sitting on the throne. And so when something bad happened to you, God did it to you for, on my behalf and on my family's behalf. That's a wicked heart. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> so much so that he, he did not. And that, see, somebody's got a wicked heart, 
they don't honor people. They don't, they, they, they don't care what, you know, how much fire you've called down from heaven. That, that means nothing to them. You, my feelings are hurt. You know, I'm still mourning my family members. And, and so this is the reason why this is happening to you. This is, this is the reason why it happened to you. And so when somebody have a wicked heart, they can't judge with righteous judgment. He wasn't there at the meeting when Nathan told David what would happen. And so does everybody understand that? That's why the Lord tells us to judge with righteous judgment. If you weren't there, and I don't care what you think God told you about the situation, <laughs> you get it from the horse's mouth. Does everybody understand that? Don't you make your judgments based on how you feel and how your feelings hurt because something didn't go your way. That's a wicked heart. Does everybody understand that? And so look at what he blamed. He, look at what he says, verse 8. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast what? Reigned. In other words, Saul should have still been king. And you're reigning in his stead. Does everybody understand that? That's a, that was a lie. The fact of the matter is when King David, when he was anointed as king 16 years before Saul died, he was king then. Saul was reigning in his stead. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> and the Lord had delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. Isn't that something? Now, he talking all kind of noise. <laughs> we have to be careful. When you got a wicked heart, you put your hand over your mouth. You put your hand over your mouth and act like you don't know nothing, act like you can't talk. Does everybody understand that? Moses married an Ethiopian woman. And because his brother and sister had a wicked heart, they began to try to accuse him. Did God, is God only speaking by Moses? Has not God used and spoke by us as well? And God had to set that situation straight. That's why most of the servants that God have called, he said that I have established them in righteousness. Whatever they're doing is right. Does everybody understand that? And I'm telling you, we live in a generation where <laughs> God could set up a preacher over people and, and the people can sit and complain and murmur about what they think the preacher's not doing right. If, if, if you had the capability of doing what the pastor was doing, God would have made you pastor. Does everybody understand that? And God don't set shepherds up for the sheep to complain. That's why I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear people say, speak bad things about their pastor. When people contact me saying, my pastor do that, well, you still sitting there? Well, you stay there. You still sitting there? Up under that? If that? Is that what God called you to be? Well, you got something to learn there. Does everybody understand that? 
And so, because I, I know that if, if they bad-mouthing the person that they sitting under today, when they get here, they're going to do the same thing. Because I ain't going to run it the way you want it to be ran either. I'm going to say something you don't like too. <laughs> Does everybody understand? I understand that very clearly. And so, you know, when I was growing up and when people moved, if they went from one church to the other, before that church would accept their membership, they had to come with a letter of commendation from their former pastor. This one was a good member. They didn't give me any problems. Yeah, we knew your resume before you got there. That's because it was a, it was a, it was a considered a, a thing of honor. You ain't just, you're not moving because, moving your membership because the pastor is not doing what you want them to do. To me, if, if God have set that shepherd up, you can't tell God how to run that shepherd. And I can promise you God's not going to give you anything above what he has given the shepherd. God would be foolish. To, but see, that's what King David's son thought. I, if I were king, now you know the story. If I were king, I would judge for, on your behalf. And the Bible says he stole the hearts. Of the, of the children of Israel. If I, was the, if I was in charge, I would run it this way. And that's why God don't have you in charge. Because uh, you'd be wrecking all kind of stuff. Everybody understand that? Let me make this clear. The anointing of God make anything look easy. Yeah, it, It'll make it all look easy. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? Let's speak naturally. So Michael Jordan had everybody think that they can dunk. It probably ain't a person in this room that grew up watching Michael Jordan play didn't take a basketball and try to jump from the free throw line to see how far they can get. How many of you made it? I know I didn't. That just, that just turned into a long layup. <laughs> yeah. When you are gifted to do something, that's, the, that's what makes it a gift. You, you make it look easy. I remember when I first started trying to imitate that, I was doing everything in slow motion, like they were doing it on the news. You know, like when they, and of course, I'm, I'm hitting the back wall before I'm finishing my little slow motion. They're like, oh, so he was doing that in real time. He was actually doing it fast, but he just did it with so much grace, it just looked like it was just floating. There ain't no float here. I'm up and down. I hope to get a layup before they call me for traveling, you see. <laughs> so when somebody is gifted and when they have a gift of God, they make it look easy. And you don't know how much turmoil it is until you try to take that place. You don't know how much junk go on. You see that? And that's what happens with people. You can have the gifts of God. Without the integrity to hold it, hold those gifts, and it'll equal disaster every single time. Does everybody understand that? It'll equal disaster every single time. And his son, that one, he it might have been, it might have been meant for him to take the kingdom when if if his daddy would have handed it over to him. But he didn't want to wait. He thought he was he he thought he could get ahead of God. And he tried to get ahead of God and not knowing that really what it was designed to do was bring about his judgment. Does everybody understand that? You think God wasn't paying attention when he was still in the hearts of the people? But see, that's the deception 
of the wicked heart. The whole time you could think the grace of God is on you because all these doors are opening and things are happening. And the whole time, all those doors are just leading to your downfall. The whole time. Does everybody understand that? And so that wicked heart, it causes people. You know, the Bible makes it clear that when we see our enemy fall, we're supposed to pray for them. Don't speak against them. You pray for them. If you, when you see God judging somebody, you pray for them. That's what, a, that's what a godly heart will do. I don't want to see anybody go through it because, listen, we done all been on that end. So you don't want to see anybody get whipped. You don't care what, what they done done. You don't want to see them get whipped. And so a, a, a pure heart, it, it's praying for folks. It's not saying, well, you know what? You going through this because what you did to me. Even if you may know that, you're not glorying in what they've done and what they have, what, you know, them paying for whatever it is. Does everybody understand that? I can promise you there's more people in this world than you. And whatever it is they may have done to you, they probably did it to 50 other people. Does everybody understand that? Now, the question you, what you have to think about is this. What am I paying for today? You pay attention to your own weapon. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> Verse 9 says, Then said Abishai, the son of Zerah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. You think he meant that? Verse 10, And the king said, What have I to do with you? Ye sons of Zeruel, so let him curse, because the Lord hath said unto him, Curse David. Who shall then say, Wherefore hast thou done so? Do we believe what David just said? Did the Lord really tell him to curse David? But it was to his own demise. You curse David so I can get you later. Does everybody understand that? Let's go and keep reading. Verse 11, and David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone, and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look at on mine affliction, and that the Lord will requite me good for his cursing this day. And as David and his men went by the way, Shimei went along the, the hill's side over against him and cursed as he went and threw stones at him and cast dust. Does everybody see that? So this is a whole production here. It ain't just for a few feet. David is allowing himself to be humiliated. Now that's the heart of God when... You got the power to take somebody's head off and you don't. The only problem is when, when it's around people that don't honor authority, they see that as weakness. Does everybody understand that? And when their heart is wicked, it just emboldens them even more so to go down that road. So he was cursing David. He was speaking evil about him and to him. So now let's go... 
Let's go to 2 Samuel, the 19th chapter of 2 Samuel now. Now, of course, is everybody there? Nineteen chapter, Second Samuel. Let's, in fact, let's let's back up to the eighteenth chapter. We're going to read the last verse of that, in verse thirty-three. Now, this is after uh, Absalom was killed. Now, David gave the word, don't harm him. You know, David still had this mind of, I can talk to him. If I can just talk some sense into that boy, he, he'll come around. So don't, if you capture him, don't kill him. Don't, don't even harm him, you see. Uh, David was really a man after God's own heart. He didn't want to see harm come to people, you see. All right, so verse 33, it says, And the king was much moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, thus he said, O my son Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for thee. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Isn't that something? Oh, Absalom, that ran me out of the kingdom. Oh, Absalom, that slept with all of my concubines in front of all the children of Israel. Oh, Absalom, that thought he could overrun me and thought I was afraid of him. He didn't say fool. He said, oh, Absalom, my son. Does everybody see that? So you see, when you have a pure heart the way David had, you, you don't, it doesn't matter what anybody have done to you. You don't want to see harm come to them. And his thinking was, so you remember what he just told his servant. If my own son is cursing me and doing things against me, who, what does it matter what he's doing? What does it matter what Shimei is doing? That's, that's, not, that's not what's hurting me the most, most, so I can get over that. The worst have already happened. Does everybody understand that? But that person with the wicked heart, you know, you did me wrong and everybody else is going to pay for it. Does everybody understand that? Think about it. So God had already pronounced he was going to lose the kingdom. God didn't tell him what to do after the fact. Everywhere he tread after, after he left his kingdom, he could have just been killing people along the way. That's what Saul did. Does everybody understand that? He could have been taking out his frustrations on people, but he wasn't. Now, but that's what a wicked heart will do. I'm mad because of what happened to work, and when I get home, everybody's going to pay for it. Does everybody understand that? I'm mad because of what's happening at home with the children, and when my husband gets home, everybody's going to pay for it. That's a wicked heart. Does everybody see that? All right, so let's go to chapter 19. We're going to start reading at verse 15 now. And what we're trying to show you is that this wicked heart is not isolated. Does everybody understand that? It's, it's not, he, he, it wasn't just, listen, when you can curse God's anointed, your problem ain't just with God's anointed. That's in every area of your life. So don't, don't let the devil fool you into thinking you just got a problem with one individual. It's going, you can't tell the devil how to direct the anger that comes from hell. 
You can't tell him to tame his bitterness. That's all. You, you'll never be able to do that. So it's just best not to have it. Because you, you can't tell the devil how to direct it. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> Verse 15, so the king returned and came to Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go meet, to go to meet the king, to conduct the king over Jordan. And Shemi, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, which was of Behram. Now, let me stop here. Let me give you a little history about the Benjamites. They were the smallest tribe in Israel. And they already had this complex about them. The Benjamites were the, the regular size of any other tribe at first. But they did something wicked in God's eyes. And God had the other 11 tribes to go to war with them. And I think it was three different battles. And on that last battle, they were just about completely destroyed. Just about. God just left a very few of them there just to be able to say that they were still a tribe. And so for years and years, hundreds of years, they had this, com this complex, we're the smallest tribe. They didn't think they could be much because they understood that last whipping they had got was from God and they didn't expect much out of themselves at all. And so as generations pass, they are told the story. Yeah, one of our forefathers did something wrong and the rest of our forefathers didn't do anything about it. So God judged the whole tribe. And that's the reason why we're so few in number. We don't expect much. We're just glad to be among the, the rest of the tribes. But that's not how everybody's going to look at it. Some of them are going to be mad that they got judged and now they're known as the smallest tribe of Israel. Now, this, this was before our day where, you know, it was shameful to only have two and three children. But God kept them small, which is why, of course, Saul, he was of the tribe of Benjamin. And when God anointed him king, he said, is, is this really your will? I'm of the least of the tribes. You're anointing a Benjamite? They didn't expect much, you see. And so... <laughs> the, some of these people like Shimei already had because think about it King David was their salvation the tribe of Benjamin King David was God's way of restoring the tribe you know he took the least of all the tribes of Israel and, and took one from that and made a king of him and so now we're back now I'm trying to set, you, set this mindset up that the, the Benjamites had King Saul to them was a hero of all of the tribes, of all the tribe of Judah, you didn't get one from there? Of the least, we're the least, and now you've put one of us over? This, this right here, this makes up for all of it. All these hundreds of years of being looked down upon in our minds, being the smallest of the smallest and all of that, and now we're back. One of our own is the king. And then, But what does that king do? He still had that complex. He disobeyed God, got judged for it, was killed, and now God is taking somebody else from another tribe. Now, now we got a problem. Everybody understand that? So now they go all the way back. 
God didn't put one of, one of King Saul's children on the throne to replace him. He chose somebody from another tribe. Does everybody understand that? And look at what happened there. So now I'm trying to show you this complex. Now, why are we going over this? Because that is what individuals grow up with today. That black sheep complex. I was the least of the least. And now look at what God is doing for me. God don't do nothing for you for you to brag for you. Does everybody understand that? Yeah, people thought I wasn't going to be this and wasn't going to be. Who cares what people thought? I would only care if the thoughts of people directed these hands. <laughs> these hands are submitted to God. I can care less what anybody else think about them or how they're supposed to move or anything like that. Does everybody understand that? And so what happens is people try to outrun their past. They got a point to prove. Back then I was this way and people thought bad about me. But you wait until I get this job and wait until I get this degree and you wait until I do this. Then people are going to know that I am somebody. You stay a nobody. That's the only way God can, God only uses dead flesh. Does everybody understand that? You stay down. That's, I'm trying to show you how that's a trick of the devil. God ain't got no problem with pulling people out of the dump. Does everybody understand that? That he ain't got, listen, that's what he prefers, is to use people that's in the dump. To use people that were, nobody thought much of. But I'm telling you, the trick is, that's not the hard part. The trick is making sure your address is still in the dump. That's where people can find you. Does everybody understand that? Not high-minded thinking, well, praise God, he done raised me up and I want everybody else to bow down to me. Because y'all been mistreating me all these years. You know, you'll make God put you back where he found you. You'll make God cause you to stumble, to humble you. Does everybody understand that? You better stay down. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> so that's the problem with Shimmy here. That was his issue. This complex, this Benjamite complex. We were small, and so now we were great. That's what gave him this, this, these boldness to to curse King David. He didn't think much, didn't think much about his position. You see that? Because I'm bitter now. Because now we're going. The, the tribe of Benjamin have gone back downhill. You see. question is, where was Shimei when his uncle was chasing King David all those years? Why wasn't he talking to him saying, look, Uncle Saul, will you just leave that man alone? No, it wasn't none of that. Yeah, kill him because it looked like he's got ambition. He's got what it takes to, you know, to replace you, so you, you, better, you better kill him. Does everybody understand that? Verse 16, and Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, which was of Beharim, hasted and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. Everybody see that? Let me go. Okay, so your son dead. I remember the day I talked trash. Let me get down here. It looked like you about to be king again. 
Does everybody understand? Where's all that boldness now? <laughs> Verse 17, and there were a thousand men of Benjamin with him, and Zeba, the servant of the house of Saul, and his 15 sons and his 20 servants with him. And they went over Jordan before the king, and there went over a ferry boat to carry over the king's household and to do what he thought good. And Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king as he was come over Jordan and said unto the king, Let not my lord impute iniquity unto me, neither do thou remember that which thy servant did perversely the day that my lord, the king, went out of Jerusalem, that the king should take it to his heart. For thy servant doth know that I have sinned. Therefore, behold, I am come the first this day of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord, the king. But Abishai, the son of Zerah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this, because he cursed the Lord's anointed? And David said, What have I to do with you, ye sons of Zeruah, that ye should this day be adversaries unto me? Shall there any man be put to death this day in Israel? For do not I know that I am this, this day king over Israel? In other words, I got some other stuff to take care of. Everybody see that? So that individual that's like Shimmy, that's bitter, they assume that everybody else is that way. If David was that kind of man, he'd have been dead that day, the day he came out cursing him. Does everybody understand that? Do, do you know that's what makes people feel like when they've done wrong, they got to repent over and over for years for the same stuff over and over again? Because they think God is like them? That person that feel like they got to repent over and over for the same stuff, they, they, that person is an unforgiving type of person, and they believe God is the same way. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> David had already moved on. David might not have even been thinking about what he had done. I'm, hey, I'm king. I'm back. And then when his servants say, well, let's go ahead and kill him today, he said, what, what have I have to do with you? Should anybody be killed this day? I done moved on. Does everybody see that? Verse 23, therefore the king said unto Shimei, thou shalt not die, and the king swore unto him. And Mephibosheth, the son of Saul, in other words, his grandson, came down to meet the king and had neither dressed his feet nor trimmed his beard nor had washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he came again in peace. Isn't that something? That's how much he thought of King David. I'm not going to take a bath until this man get back. Does everybody see that? And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore, when is thou not with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me. When somebody is bitter, they, it's easy for them to believe a lie. Does everybody understand that? Not just their own lies, but the lies of other people. For thy servant said, I will saddle men as that I may ride their own and go to the king because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my lord, the king. But my lord, the king is an angel, is as an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord, the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. 
What right therefore have I yet to cry any more unto the king? So, in other words, here was the story. Of course, we went over that. Mephibosheth understood when he cleared his brain and had some time to think about it. Wait a minute. If King David really was after my daddy's, my grandfather's job, I would be a dead man already. He wouldn't have spared my life. He, and he definitely wouldn't have invited me to live in his house and to eat at the same time he's eating. There's nowhere in the world. If his heart wasn't right towards the house of Saul, I'd be dead already. But see, that wicked heart, it don't look at the whole picture. It only judges what's there right in front of it at the moment. All my family dead, and here he is, the king. And he ain't, he ain't paying tribute. He ain't, you know, he, they ain't even got a headstone. <laughs> Does everybody understand that? It, it ignores the whole picture. What was the whole picture? If he really had it in for the household of Saul, Mephibosheth would have been dead as well. Does everybody see that? Verse 29, and the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, thou and Ziba divide the land. Isn't that something? So you see the wicked heart? It's going to ask for forgiveness over and over again. It's going to go overboard with stuff. It, it, everybody understand that? You, what, so, and then your thought is, what are you talking about? Okay, I've already handled that. Now, you have to, I'm trying to get you to see, you have to think about it from the other side. Somebody that's always asking for forgiveness. Somebody that's always just tormenting themselves about what they've done and just can't get over it. That's that individual when it's time for somebody to ask them for forgiveness, they're going to make them pay. And they assume everybody else is like that. Does everybody understand that? What they're really doing is playing the opposite role of what they would want somebody to go through. I have to keep asking you for forgiveness over and over for the same stuff because that's what you're going to have to do to me. When you do me wrong. So you see how what David said to both of these men. Go on about your business. It ain't, it's okay. It's fine. If, if I wanted your life, I'd have had it already. Does everybody understand that? Verse 30, And Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yeah, let him take all, for as much as my lord, the king is come again in peace unto his own house. In other words, he's saying, Let, Zeba can have it all. I'm just glad you're back. Does everybody see that? All right, so now let's go to 1 Kings, the second chapter. In the first chapter, King Solomon was made king, and David is in his last days. And so in his last days, he's doing a handover, in other words, a turnover. It's just like what happens when people change shifts. The, the, the outgoing shift tell the ongoing shift what's happening, you know, so that they can know how to handle things. So we're going to start reading at verse 8. 
at the second chapter of First Kings. It says, and behold, now this is King David talking to Solomon, giving him instructions. And behold, thou hast with thee Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite of Beharim, which cursed me with a grievous curse in the day when I went to Mahanaim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put thee to death with the sword. Now therefore, hold him not guiltless, for thou art a wise man, and knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him. But his whore head bring thou down to the grave with blood. You no, know, you don't get away. David kept his promise. I'm not going to kill you. <laughs> Let me make this clear. You gonna, but you'll have to pay for your words. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> if he was a wise man, if Shimei was wise the way he thought he was, he thought he was being slick. I'm going to be the first one down here to greet King David. I'm going to let him know I'm for real on his side. Except he wasn't. You think David didn't know that? You think David thought that his repentance was real and true? So David said, I'm not going to kill you. And he was telling the truth. I'm not going to kill you. Does everybody understand that? But what happened? What did he just tell his son? You're a wise man. You make sure you do it. Does everybody understand that? Verse 10, so David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the days that David reigned over Israel were 40 years. Seven years reigned he in Hebron, and 30 and three years reigned he in Jerusalem. Then sat Solomon upon the throne of his father, of David his father, and his kingdom was established greatly. So everybody see that? All right, now let's go down to verse 36. Now, Solomon was a wise man. When he first began to reign, he asked God for wisdom on how to run his people. And so David could tell him, you're a wise man. You know how to handle things. So, but look, let's, let's, let's read now. Is everybody there at verse 36? It says, and the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, build thee a house in Jerusalem and dwell there and go not forth thence any whither. In other words, don't go from there. Don't go anywhere. You build you a house and you stay there. For it shall be that on the day that thou goest out and passest over the brook Kidron, thou shalt know for certain that thou shalt surely die. Thy blood shall be upon thine own head. So you see that? Now David told Solomon, make sure you bring his, make sure you responsible for getting him to his grave. Isn't that what we just read? But look at the way Solomon responded. Build your house. Stay there. Do not cross over the brook Kidron. The day that you do, that's when you'll die. So he's giving him a chance. Is he disobeying his daddy? No. He understands you still wicked. And as sure as I'm sitting here, you're going to disobey the order because you got it in you. Does everybody understand that? You're going to be responsible for your own death. I'm not going to have to do it. You're going to do it. I'm giving you a chance. But if you were bold enough, and that's why sometimes you hear me say, when I, when I see stuff in people, 
you know, I know if you could do a certain thing, you can do everything from there on and in between. If he was bold enough to come down and curse God's anointed and throw dust at him, then there was a whole bunch of other stuff he was capable of. And, and surely he wasn't going to be capable of, of staying home. Now, isn't that simple? Build your house. Stay on your land. Don't cross the brook of Kidron. You'll live. I, I won't. But if you, if you cross that brook of Kidron, know for sure you're going to die. Isn't that something? <laughs> I'm trying to show you the wicked heart. It ain't just in one area. You bold enough to curse your leaders, to curse your parents. It ain't no, you'll be, you'll be doing a bunch of other stuff. Does everybody understand that? All you got to be, listen, Solomon understood. All, gotta, all I have to do is give you a rule. I know you're going to break it. It don't matter how silly it is. Don't eat now and later from here to forever. And you don't even not like now and later. But because somebody told you not to eat it, that's the first thing I'm going to put now and later. I'm going to get every pack of them. I'm going to get all the flavors. I'm going to make me a little house with them and video myself eating them. <laughs> That's the wicked heart. I'm going to do exactly what you told me not to do. Does everybody understand that? Verse 38, And Shimei said unto the king, The saying is good. As my lord the king has said, So will thy servant do. And Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem how many days? And it came to pass at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shimei ran away unto Achish, son of Micah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, thy servants be in Gath. Everybody see that? Where was Gath at? Across the river? They knew exactly where to run. Does everybody understand that? And Shimei arose and saddled in his ass and went to Gath, to Achish, to seek his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. And it was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and was come again. He left, got his servants back, and came back. And he thought, see, I'm fine. I made it back in time. Verse 42, And the king sent and called for Shimei and said unto him, Did I not make thee to swear by the Lord? And protested unto thee, saying, No, for a certain, on the day thou goest out and walkest abroad anywhere, that thou shalt surely die, and thou said unto me, The word that I have heard is good. Why then hast thou not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I have charged thee with? The king said moreover to Shimei, Thou knowest all the wickedness which is in thine heart, which, which thine heart is privy to. Did everybody see that? That thou didst, what thou, that thou didst to my father, David, Therefore, the Lord shall return thy wickedness upon thine own head. Everybody see that? In other words, you, if you were wicked enough to curse God's anointed, to speak against God's anointed, it's all kind of other stuff. You, he's, he's saying you know the wickedness that you're privy to. In other words, you know what you're capable of. You ain't crazy. You know that you, you're wicked. Does everybody see that? And now the Lord is about to pay you for it. Verse 45, And King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. Does it, why does he say that? 
because he know what his real issue is. You still a Benjamite. You still got a problem with me being on the throne. So these are the last words you're going to hear. That I've been established in this kingdom and, and David's going to have a son on the throne forever. Now how about that? Does everybody understand that? Verse, 40, uh, verse 46, so the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell upon him, and he died, and the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Does everybody see that? So do you see the wickedness there? He cursed King David. He got a pass. He came back. When King David came back to his kingdom and tried to uh, apologize for it, listen, there's a difference with apologizing for what you've done because you're afraid of the consequences versus repenting for it because you know the, heart, the, the Lord was grieved. Does everybody understand that? You asking for forgiveness because you don't like the consequences is <laughs> really you just apologizing equals apologizing. You asking for forgiveness because the Lord's heart was grieved with your actions, that's what equals repentance. And he was not a repentant man. Does everybody understand that? Do you see that Mephibosheth was a repentant man? When he told, he told um, when King David told him that you and Ziba, y'all split the land, what was his response? He can have it. I'm just glad you're back. Does everybody understand that? A person's actions will always tell if they're repentant. If they're repentant, they won't do it again. We don't ever read about King David going out and committing adultery anymore. Does everybody understand that? So if you're one of these individuals with the wicked heart, that feels like you have to ask for forgiveness over and over and over and over and over again and you just have a hard time forgiving yourself? Let me tell you why that is. Because you're not done doing what you did. You plan on it. You just putting credit in your checking account. Does everybody understand that? <laughs> That's what that boils down. I don't plan on stopping. I'm planning on doing it 10 more times. So I'm going to email you, I'm going to call you, and I'm going to keep asking for forgiveness because my heart ain't changed. Somebody whose heart has changed, it only takes one time to ask for forgiveness. But if I plan on, I'm going to keep doing what I've been doing, it'll just you know. You see. I don't believe I was wrong in what I did. But you know, the Bible says we're supposed to make things right, so I'm going to make it right. Everybody understand that? That's that individual that's going to ask for forgiveness over and over and over and over again. And it's going to be hard for them to forgive themselves. Listen, when God have truly accepted your forgiveness and you asking for forgiveness, that slate is wiped clean and you ain't got to ever apologize for it ever again. You're not going to feel this burden. The reason, why, the reason why the burden is still there is because you have not truly repented. And that's God's way of telling you, you still got it in you. Does everybody understand that? My prayers is that we've heard what the Lord had to say today. All right, let's pray. 
Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for the things that you've spoken to us. God, we pray that you will help us to receive these things that you've said. Help us, Lord, to take these things to heart, Lord. God, we pray that you will help our hearts. Help us not to be deceived by our hearts, Lord, but show us who we are and how you see us. And if there's anything falling short of what your word says, Lord, we ask that you will bring those things to our attention and help us to live according to your word. Help us to be true, Lord, not only with others, but with ourselves. Help us, Lord, to examine ourselves in the things that we hear so that we can make adjustments, Lord. Lord, we thank you for loving us enough to speak to us plainly. And God, we ask that you will help us to abide by what we've heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, if the Lord will, we'll go ahead and be dismissed and go back and discuss the things that we've heard today. <laughs>